Today is the fourth Sunday of the month of Misra. And uh, as the Coptic New Year kind of comes to an end, our church has this beautiful tradition of remembering the end of the world. And so you'll see today's gospel uh, has a lot of those um, end of the world themes in them. You know, the disciples came to Christ and said, you know, how do, how do you know when things are going to end? And so he gives them a lot of lists um, and he gives them a lot of, you know, signs and things you should look for. But then he kind of turns the table a little bit and he, he's asking them to prepare, to be, to open their eyes, to be watchful. Um, and so he says a lot of things for them to keep in mind. And so he says this. He says, you will be brought before rulers and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you at that hour, speak. And so he tells them, first off, that there will be tribulation. Things are not going to go your way, but there is light. The gospel will be preached. The gospel will be preached to all. And then he says this. He says, but take heed. I have told you these things beforehand. But in those things, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. He keeps going. He's given him a lot of signs. But he says, learn from this parable from the fig tree. When its branches has already become tender and put forth leaves, you will know that summer is near. Assuredly, I say to you, the generation by no means will pass away till these things come to an end. But then he says this. Heaven and earth will pass away, by my words, by no means will pass away. And this is the part that I want to focus on today. As we saw earlier when he talked about the tribulation, he still brought the gospel in. He said, don't worry, yeah, there will be all this tribulation, but the gospel will be preached. And then he gives them all these signs of things that will happen. But then he says this, which might at first doesn't really fit. Like we're talking about the end of the world, but he says this, assuredly I say to you, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word by no means will pass away. And that's what I want to talk about today. My word. In the Pauline epistle, uh, in the Pauline epistle, St. Paul says something really beautiful. He starts, he starts like this. Uh, he's talking to the Thessalonians and he says this. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. Not as word of men, but as truth. And so we see the theme of the word of God, even until the very end. We see it in the Pauline epistle. And as we keep going, he kind of, he starts with this and he's giving thanks. And then he gives them a little bit of encouragement. And then at the very end, he said this. So that he may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with his saints. And so he, he begins with the word of God. And to be blameless, to be established in the Lord, that's where we all should begin. That's where everybody begins, in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the Psalm, Psalm 19, one of the most beautiful Psalms in the Bible. Psalm 19 is actually the longest chapter in the, in the Bible. It's 22 parts because every part is alphabetical. So for example, the first part, every letter, every line in that, in that part begins with the letter Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The second part, every letter begins with the letter Beit. The second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so on. He goes literally letter by letter praising God through the alphabet. We have something similar in our, in our psalmodies actually. A lot of our psalmodies are alphabetical. Every verse begins with the alphabetical. 
But anyway, the, in that psalm he says this, Blessed are the undefiled in the way, or the blameless in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with all of their heart. And in here I want to stop for a minute and see, can we say this in our life as well? All will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Can we say that in our life as well? Is the whole Bible in our life? You know, Christ gave him this, all these signs. But then he, he's like, but focus on the word. In Mark 16, Christ is talking to his disciples before he ascends. Um, and he tells them these signs will follow the believers. And he gives them a bunch of signs that will follow believers. You know, they will drink poison, they will not die. They will take out evil spirits, they will heal the sick. They will do all these things. But here he's not asking us to follow the signs. No, it's actually the opposite. The signs will follow us. We need to follow the word of God. That's where, we, that's where we focus. And it's not picking and choosing. It's the whole world. right? The whole word of God. Not one word will pass away. Not one word will pass away. I was actually talking with someone and he, he brought some things up. You know, He came to our church. He's, he's from a different denomination. And so he, some things didn't make sense to him. Um, and so for example, he asked, he's like, you know, why do you guys have icons? You know, the second commandment says, don't make carved images, don't make figures. And I was like, that's not what the second commandment says. Let's read it. The second commandment says, don't make carved images, don't make figures. To worship them. We can't take a word and leave a word. The whole Bible should be read. As a matter of fact, the, the ten commandments are in Exodus 20. In Exodus 25, God tells him, I want you to make two cherubim, two carved cherubim. Those are carved images. And actually not only that, God comes and descends between the two cherubims in Exodus 25 to show the people that he is here. So the Bible has to be taken as a whole to worship them. As a matter of fact, in Numbers uh, 20, God tells Moses to make another image, to make the serpent, the bronze serpent. The children of Israel, you know, they, they were doing a lot of bad things at that point. Um, and so they brought on themselves this curse where the serpents came and it was killing a lot of them. And so God told Moses, okay, 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 I know, I know what to do. Make a bronze serpent and put it, and whoever sees it will be healed. This reference was actually made by Christ himself in John 3:14. John was talking to Nicodemus, a very profound Jew. He's like one of the leaders of the Jews. And, but he doesn't really understand. And God is telling him, you know, you're the leader of the Jews. How do you not understand? And so he starts to explain to him, little by little, okay, you've got to be born from water and spirit. You've got to be born from on high. You have to do this. You have to do that. And then at, at John 3.14, he tells him this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You know what the next verse is right after that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. It's in the same exact chapter. It's actually in the same exact dialogue, in the same exact speech that Christ is making. We can't take a word and leave a word. And that's the beauty of our church. It shows the whole gospel. As a matter of fact, the sacramental life of the church is the living Bible that we have in our hand. It's just visual. We see it. You know, for example, in Hebrews 11, he tells us, or 12, he tells us that we are surrounded by, the, by a cloud of the saints looking unto Jesus. During the liturgy, we are surrounded by a cloud, the incense, which in Revelation said the prayers of the saints. We're surrounded by a cloud, we see the saints in the icons, and we look unto Jesus in the bosom of the Father.
Literally, word for word in the Bible, it's becoming to life before our eyes. That's the beauty of the sacramental life in our church. And so the church knew what it was doing when it put that. But here Christ is asking us as well. Can I say that in my life? Everything will pass away. But the word of God is not going to pass away in my life. Is that evident in my life? Am I living the whole Bible? Or am I kind of picking and choosing? You know, yeah, I, I don't do the don't steal and don't kill part. But love your neighbor as yourself? Eh, we'll see. Love your enemies? Pray for, the, pray for your enemies? Uh, we'll, we'll see. Don't judge. All of that is in there. As a matter of fact, St. James today, he tells us, uh, love, he says, he who speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. So the word of God itself sometimes is being judged by us when we judge others. When we take a part and leave a part. Actually, he, he goes on in his, and says that. He says, the whole commandment, you know, if you break one of the commandments, you broke the whole law. Halos. Are we seeking that? And so Christ keeps going with that. As a matter of fact, sometimes um, we wonder, how can anyone actually live the whole Bible? And that's the beauty of what St. Paul is saying. He's saying, we are surrounded by clouds of witnesses. You know, we're not being asked of something that no one else was asked of. Christianity has been around for 2,000 years. There's people that have done this. Obviously by the grace of God, but we have examples. We have examples in the Bible. We have examples of people that lived even till today. You know, St. Ibram, for example, the, the Bishop of Fayyum, maybe 100 years ago, 150 years ago, I'm not sure. Um, but within, within the last two centuries, for sure, the 20th century, he was living the Bible, right? He actually read the entire Bible every 40 days. Pope Krolos and, and others and others, some of Irini, and even married people that we've seen and heard about that were living in the world, having jobs. Ibrahim al-Guhari, for example, in the medieval times. And so the Bible shows us these examples that we might walk through. As a matter of fact, St. Paul himself says that, for you imitated. The second verse of St. Paul, he says about imitation. We imitate what is good. He says, uh, so the first part, we said, because you've received the word, not as man. Then he says this, for you brethren became imitators of the churches of God. You became imitators of the churches of God. In other part, the Bible tells us, imitate what is good. In the, gospel, in the epistles of St. John. And so, I want to focus on just three points. I think it's pretty clear that we need to have the Bible evident in our life. We should be able to say, everything will pass away. Whether this is whether the part of my life that I'm in now is good or there's a lot of challenges, it will pass away. But the word of God will not pass away. Every word of God will not pass away. Of course, the word of God himself is the gospel. Is Christ who, who is the good news. Christ himself was the good news. When the archangel came and, and told St. Mary about the good news, he was talking about Christ. In the Acts of the, of the Apostles today, he says this. He's talking about uh, the spread of Christianity after uh, Stephen. And so he says this, Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go out as far as Antioch. And when he came, had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged, he, he was glad and he encouraged them all, with the purpose of heart they should continue in the Lord. The news led to action. The news is the gospel, right? And the gospel is the written account of Christ. The word of God became flesh. And he died for us so that we may have new life. 
That's the gospel. The word of God became flesh. But you know what? We're lucky. Because we have the account of what he said, what he did, what he asked us to do. It's right here. We can read it. And more importantly, we can live it. And so, rather than you know, following the signs, Christ gave him the signs. He told him, look, all these things will happen. But it's not that we're following the signs. It's actually the opposite. The signs will follow us. We need to focus on the gospel. And the signs will come. The signs will follow us. The signs is out of necessity. So three things maybe we can focus on uh, in the upcoming Coptic year. Coptic year is coming to an end. The first one, before we can live the, the Bible, we need to know what it says, right? Read it and enjoy it. And so, a good plan is to read the Bible, but we need to enjoy it as well. There is um, there's a quote, I can't remember who said it. I want to say it's Dostoevsky, but I could be wrong. But it said, we cannot enjoy that which we cannot understand. We cannot enjoy that which we cannot understand. And so on some level, we need to understand what is God telling us, and so that we may enjoy it. A lot of times people will look at the Bible and it seems burdensome, even especially the Old Testament sometimes, it seems like it's just all these rules. But once the saints understand it, it becomes a fuel, it becomes the fire that propels the rest of their spiritual life, because it is beautiful. In, in Psalm 119, he says, your, lamp, your word is a lamp to my feet. That's what the Bible is. The Bible is not fire that burns you. It's fire that kindles your way. That shows you where you're going. That becomes the guardrail for the rest of your life. That you might not stumble. And so the first thing is to read and enjoy. The second part is, is pretty obvious. And I think we all know. When I was in, in middle school, my father confession sat me down. And he's like, listen, I don't want you to read the Bible. I was like, Okay. He's like, no, 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 I don't want you to read the Bible. I want you to live the Bible. Anybody can read the Bible. Anybody can open a book and read it. I want you to live the Bible. I want you to take it slow and make sure you're doing what you're reading every day. And I think that's a good, that's a good uh, lesson for all of us. Don't just read the Bible, live the Bible. And we've heard it so many times. But sometimes we forget how to enjoy the Bible in our lives. There was a, there was a man... Um, I was, I was listening to this video by Richard Dawkins. He's actually a profound atheist. He's uh, uh, an evolutionary biologist. He does not believe in God. And obviously he was making uh, these claims, but he said something that struck me actually that was really beautiful. He said, we live in this world and we look at it and we forget how familiar we got to it. We can never enjoy this world if we're familiar with it. And so he looks at his students, he's talking to some, some students, and he says, I want you to shake the walls of familiarity. Shake the walls of familiarity. And I think that's actually a good lesson to take in our spiritual life. Of course, he was talking about like enjoying nature and looking at biology. And, but I was like, you know, he's kind of right. Shake the walls of familiarity. We read the Bible, but we've read it hundreds of times. We come and look at the liturgy, but we've seen it since we were kids. And at some point, we need to shake that. We need to open the Bible and read it like we've never read it before. When we were in the college retreat, Abuna actually told us, we were reading the book of Matthew, and he said, I want you guys to open the Bible and read Matthew like you've never heard of Matthew before, like you've never seen it before. Read every word like you're reading it for the first time. And it's a really good exercise for us to kind of get out of that familiar walls that we've built and look at things with a fresh eye. Why are we doing this? How are we doing this? Why is that being said? There was a French writer uh, called Proust, Marcel Proust. He wrote the longest novel in history, I think. 
It was like 1.2 million words. It's double the length, about double the length of Lamez. I don't know if anybody's seen Lamez. It's like, it's huge. And in that story, he's talking about the story of some guy uh, that wants to find happiness. And so his first, his first thought is like, you know what? I see these royals and the French royals at that point, the, the bourgeoisies or whatever you want to call them. Um, and they're living these like lavish lives. I want to be like them. And so he does everything in his, in his power to become, to enter that society. And he does. And then his whole dreams, everything in his mind just crumbles. He's like, that's not happiness. And so he moves on. He's like, yeah, that's not happiness. Success does not equal happiness. You know, lavishness does not equal happiness. Ease of life does not equal happiness. And so he pushes that aside and he starts over. He's like, yeah, I don't want to be part of that community anymore. And so he goes on and he starts a romantic relationship and he's fantasizing about this girl and, and finally he gets to meet her and all that and you get the whole romance and finally, you know, they get the kiss. And again, he realizes that's not happiness. You know, it's cool, it's good, and it's, sure, but that's not happiness. And so he moves on and he's walking through. He's like, what is happiness? And he tries one thing after the other. He tries success. He tries romance. He tries this. He tries that. But none of it is happiness until he sees it was raining and he sees a puddle of water and kids jumping in that puddle and like playing and having so much fun. And at that point, it struck him. That's happiness. And so he equates happiness with art, but not the art like drawings, and, but art as in enjoying everything around you. To a level that you've never enjoyed it before. And he calls that art. And so he says kids know how to do this, unfortunately, a lot better than the adults. Partly because there's some things they haven't experienced before. And so when they see some water, they jump around and they play. And when we see some water, we just walk around it and we don't enjoy it. I'm not saying like jump in puddles, but I'm just giving an example. I think we can equate that also in our spiritual life. Sometimes we see things and we don't appreciate them for what they are. We've read them before, we've seen them before. Whether in the Bible or in our church. And that sometimes actually hinders us. And so I kind of echo what Richard Dawkins is saying, even though I don't really believe in his uh, ideals. But I do, I do like that quote, shake the walls of familiarity. Let us look at the Bible like we've never seen it before. But let's take the whole Bible. And let's apply it to our life. Let us be able to say, everything will pass away. But the word of God, Christ in the flesh, whose accounts are here. That's not going to pass away. And that's going to stay in my life. The third thing. So the first thing is read and enjoy. The second thing is live the word. The third thing is spread the word. As with anything in life, you, you see who is passionate about it. You know, like those that are very passionate about music will know music like the back of their hand. Those that are very passionate about history will just like tell you facts even if you don't ask for them. How they overflow. They're passionate. Let us be like that with the Bible. Not in a pretentious way, obviously. But those that live the Bible, it just manifests in their life. They overflow to others and they spread the word, not necessarily by preaching, but just their whole life becomes an example of the Bible. Father Daniel Fanus was talking about Pope Corollus and he said, if Pope Corollus has not done a single miracle, he'd still be a saint because of his virtues, because of how he lived the gospel every day. And so again, Christ did like, give the signs and by saying, don't follow the signs. It's not about miracles. It's about the word. It's about living the gospel. And when we live the gospel, the miracles will follow. And when we live the gospel, the preaching will follow. And the evangelism will follow. And the spread to others will follow. When people see our passion, they see the joy that we have in the gospel, they will also come. It starts with the gospel. 
and then it spreads. It starts with the gospel, and then it spreads. I will leave you with this quote again that I kind of started with from the, from the Psalm 119. It says this, Blessed are the blameless in the way, or blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him from the whole heart. I hope that this year brought us a lot of uh, blessings, even in the midst of all the craziness. And I hope that the new Coptic year that we're preparing for is full of God's word. And I hope we can say with Christ, everything will pass away, but his word will never pass away. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Oh, no.